Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus, powered by the Center Square and a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Benjamin Yond. I'm the Wisconsin correspondent. Usually this is hosted by Bruce Walker, but today it's all me. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking on the link in the show description. We are recording this podcast on Thursday, December the 8th. And usually, like I said, Bruce Walker would be saying these words and saying joining us as always is our guest, Benjamin Yant. But a little switcheroo for you here. It's This is, this is what happens. Hey, the podcasts must flow. I, I don't know any, anybody who's a, a, a Dune fan who catches that, but this is uh, this is this is why. Don't ever let them tell you we don't really do these. Don't ever let them tell you this is all canned. If things pop up. You got to make adjustments on the fly. Bruce, I'm sure we'll be back next week. This is the slow season in state capitals. It happens. I mean, we're between Christmas and the end of the year, and not a lot happens. Usually, this is the time where state correspondents, and I spent years writing state government here in Wisconsin, as well as in Illinois, and covered government during my time in in television in Iowa. This is the time of year where most of the time you are preparing for the new year, new law stories, right? End of the year, you get a bunch of new laws that take effect, and it's a really easy way to sort of move the ball forward until something actually happens. There are very few lawmakers who are actually in session now, with with the exception of perhaps a post-election day return. This is the time when no one does anything in state government. That doesn't mean there's not news. It just means that there's not a lot of statehouse news. Look, one of the stories that I wrote in Wisconsin this week was the filling out of the budget writing committee. I know that's a barn burner. And I'm not sure that we made it. I wanted to write. This shows you how slow it is. I wanted to write the story about the lighting of Wisconsin's holiday tree. Now, the lighting of the tree or the fact that the theme this year is the waters of Wisconsin is not necessarily newsworthy. In years past, Republicans made a very big deal that the governor, Democrat Tony Evers, calls it a holiday tree and not a Christmas tree. Well, this year, after Evers won re-election, there was no appetite among Republican lawmakers to kick that hornet's nest, to try and take a swing at that pinata, to try and and push that through. So not even the not even the holiday tree versus Christmas tree debate was able to generate any interest. That's a def that that shows you just how slow it is around the state capital. There are, however, many more things happening in the nation's capital, and Wisconsin's Republican delegation, Senator Ron Johnson, who is sort of the de facto head now as well as Mike Gallagher, Tom Tiffany, Glenn Grothman, Brian Stile, and Scott Fitzgerald, all congressmen, wrote a letter to Governor Evers this week asking him to ban TikTok from all state government devices. Now, this is a story that is gaining traction nationally. The governor of Texas, uh, either Wednesday or Thursday early, signed a ban on TikTok on state government phones and iPads and everything in the state of Texas. And the argument, as Republicans put it, is that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company that is essentially a front 
for the Chinese government, which is essentially a front for the Chinese Communist Party. And there have been stories after stories, tech pieces after tech pieces, even a warning from the FBI about how TikTok can spy on Americans, that it collects a tremendous amount of data. Now, TikTok, if you are not of the younger generation, is the three-second video news feed for probably half the country under the age of 30. There are all manners of other problems with TikTok, the dumbing down of the conversation, the liberal bias, but the idea that the Chinese can collect information on where these people are, may be able to crack into phones and take a look at things that are on that phone. It's a giant facial recognition database. It's a giant GPS collection database. All of these things are raising alarms. And the Republicans from Wisconsin wrote the governor. And these are just some of the quotes that I always loved. TikTok is a nefarious Chinese Communist Party spyware that surveils American citizens, promotes CCC, or CCP propaganda, and allows the CCP to censor and control America's news and content. The United States Congress and multiple Biden administration officials have raised concerns about TikTok on national security grounds and even called for a ban. Now, this is not something that we broke. And it's been known for a while that there are concerns about TikTok. But this is because so many things here in the United States have gone to the political. This is not just a story about members of Congress calling for a possible ban on TikTok. This is a political story. Governor Evers' administration responded to this in the big newspaper in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And essentially said they could have called us. The governor of South Dakota has issued a ban on TikTok on state devices there. The governor of Texas has issued a ban on uh, TikTok on state devices there. Both of them are Republicans. And so you kind of see how this is going to go. Now, it is worth noting that Governor Evers, our governor here in Wisconsin, and many of his pieces of state government, the, the administration, the bureaucracy, in Wisconsin, use TikTok. There's a really good piece over at MacGyver that talks about just what the Department of Natural Resources is doing on TikTok. And DNR is reaching out to a lot of young people because, again, that's who the target audience of TikTok is, younger folks. And the idea is that you can reach out, find younger folks, get them to be on your side politically. The DNR is using all manners of TikTok videos part of their outreach. Some of these have the kind of geo information. Some of these have the kind of database information that someone who wanted to get a better read on what's going on in Wisconsin may want. This is a story that this is not the last we've heard of it here in Wisconsin. This is not the last we've heard of it here at the Center Square because this story is a story in Wisconsin. It will be a story in Indiana. It will be a story in Illinois. It will be a story in Vermont. It will be a story in California. And I will make you this bet. I will promise you this. Based on the red or blue nature of that state's governor's office, that will determine whether or not TikTok is banned or TikTok is embraced. One of the other stories that has 
percolated to the top here in Wisconsin that we've been writing about since the beginning is the to be Republican versus Republican versus Republican versus Republican race for an open Senate seat here in the Wow counties. Longtime conservative Republican senator, the revered Alberta Darling, announced a couple of weeks ago that she's retiring. She's been in her Senate seat for 30-something years, says it's just simply time to, to hang it up and move on and try some different challenges. That, of course, opened up a vacuum, and power hates a vacuum, and there are all manners of political calculations that go into it. And what you have is you now have a number of Republicans who want to replace her, including two sitting state lawmakers. The first that we wrote about was the representative for half of Darling's Senate Senate district. That's Dan Knodel. Darling's district stretches essentially from just north of Milwaukee to, you know, through Waukesha County, out into Washington County. Menominee Falls is sort of one of the, the hubs. If you're familiar with the, the geography of southeast Wisconsin, if not, it's sort of an odd-shaped little district that runs through a couple of liberal communities and through a couple of more Republican communities. And so it's probably 60-40-R. There are two Republican state reps and one Democrat. Dan Canodal was the first to say he was going to be in. The Democrat, Deb Andraka, said no, she wanted to spend more time with her family, so she's not running. The other Republican state rep who is in Darling's district, state rep Janelle Branchin, also said she wants to run. Now, longtime loyal listeners here on Wisconsin in Focus recognize the name Janelle Branchin. She is probably one of the most recognizable just assembly members in the state of Wisconsin. I say just assembly members because she's not the speaker. She is not the governor, but she is a integral part of state house politics over the past two years because Janelle Branchin was one of the lawmakers who led the investigations into the 2020 election. As we've written here at the Center Square in the past, Branchin was also disinvited from the Republican caucus in the assembly. They essentially kicked her out. And to hear other state representatives put it, they invited her to explore other opportunities because they could no longer trust her. The story that we ran with Branchin a couple of weeks ago said that it was Robin Voss, the speaker, Speaker Voss's unhappiness, uncomfortability with her continued questioning of the 2020 election that led to her disinvitation. The reality, lawmakers have said, behind closed doors is that they couldn't trust her. And trust at state capitals is a huge thing. Even if you disagree with people, you need to be able to trust that they are not going to try and burn you with everything. By running for the state Senate, Branchin would avoid being an outcast in the state assembly. This is also a 60-40 district that leans Republican, and, and a lot of votes are in Branchin's hometown of Menominee Falls, where she is beloved. This is going to be an interesting race. There are two other Republicans. Uh, One of them is uh, a a local town councilman. The other is a businessman. I I don't know that they have the the, the campaign apparatus. I don't know that they have the the money to to run. There's a primary that's going to be in February, and then the the regular election will be in April. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the wrinkle that's going to get the most ink, the wrinkle that's going to get the most attention here is Branchin's future. 
Because if she's no longer in the assembly, then there's no story week after week, month after month about how she's been kicked out of the assembly caucus. If she goes to the state Senate, though, there's also no, no guarantee. I think that's the best word for it. There's no guarantee that she will be welcomed into the Senate Republican caucus. Again, these are the political meetings to talk about political strategy outside of your legislative duties. These are private meetings, private clubs, and you can be booted out. And it's very rare that you are. So this race to replace Alberta Darling, this race for the open Senate seat, this special election that we're looking at here in the Milwaukee suburbs is going to be interesting, if for no other reason than the political drama that is at the heart of it. story that we're going to file here this Thursday that, that we're, we're working on, two actually. One is a recent state survey, the state's Department of Public Instruction. That's the government agency that oversees public schools here in Wisconsin. Came out this week with new numbers that talked about depression and anxiety among students. It's a student emotional welfare survey. And the numbers are are striking. Just over half of kids here in Wisconsin self-report that they are anxious. Just over a third of kids are reporting that they've been depressed, felt hopeless at least one day for two weeks straight. That is a 5% jump from the last time this survey was offered before the coronavirus. DPI, Department of Public Instruction, is focusing on this survey, is presenting this survey through the lens, that's the way to put it, is presenting this survey through the lens of LGBTQ plus students. Half the students in the state who say they are anxious, more than that, when they're LGBT, even more when they are female LGBTQ+. Same thing for depression, same thing for anxiety. And this comes as DPI is making a push for more money for student mental health counselors. And it's unsurprising to see this from DPI. Again, the Department of Public Instruction is a very left-leaning bureaucratic agency. And they don't do much except for advocate for policies that coincide with this governor's agenda. And his governor's agenda is very pro-LGBTQ. The story that we're filing here on this Thursday, that you'll of course be able to read about at the Center Square, is education reformers who are pointing out that not a single thing in this study mentions that these numbers are up dramatically after kids in Wisconsin spent part of their time, part of the coronavirus, learning from home. And kids in Milwaukee and Madison, the state's largest school districts, spent a significant amount of time learning from home, almost two full years. Mask mandates in Milwaukee public schools just went away earlier this fall. Madison schools just finally dropped their requirement that stopped little kids from playing next to each other on the playground. We talked with Will Flanders with the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty And he pointed out that this is yet one more piece of evidence, one more piece of the puzzle that shows just how detrimental it was to kids to keep them out of school. Closing school is not good for kids. They've learned less. They're failing more. They're falling further behind. And now we have this piece of evidence, these numbers, this survey from the state's Department of Public Instruction that says kids became more anxious. They they became more depressed 
in at least some way because of, thanks to, being ordered to stay at home. We are going to look back here five years, ten years, because that's how long it's going to take. And we're going to see just how much kids lost. Final story that we're going to file. The unionized workers at the Red Cross in Madison. The union is promising, threatening, planning to strike two days before Christmas. It just so happens to coincide with the Red Cross's holiday blood drive, the largest single blood drive in the Madison area for the Red Cross, and at a time when there are blood shortages. The strike is, of course, because of what these union strikes are almost always about, more money. The union says it's demanding a pay raise and that the Red Cross has simply told them, look, there's no money we've had to pay in other states. We don't have any money here in Wisconsin to pay these people more. It is going to be an interesting December here as we roll through. Uh, It is going to, as always, be an interesting end of the year. Wisconsin does not have the big end-of-the-year new laws flush. Like I said, most other states, it's new year, new law. That doesn't happen here in Wisconsin. Most of those laws go into effect instantly. And so what we're looking forward to, brand new assembly, brand new budget fight, same old, same old. We will, of course, talk to you next week. This is all the time we have for Wisconsin in Focus. Bruce Walker should be back next week. Thank you for joining me here today. Please make sure to subscribe to Wisconsin in Focus wherever you get your podcasts. We, of course, as always, will be back.